everyone. You're listening to Casual Wednesdays with Doom Rocket, your one-stop shop for comics, talk, and such. I'm Jared Jones. I am MJ Kramer. This week, our inboxes have been decimated by an explosion of DC-related bombshells this morning, and we haven't even had our coffee yet. I'm kidding. I've totally had my coffee. I've had a little. James Tynan's revelatory Batman run hits another zenith this August with the upcoming horror-tinged event, Fear State. MJ and I have the deets, as the children used to say. (laughs) I am old... Also this week, a ridiculously stacked top five most anticipated issues, two newly announced DC animated series, and in the back matter, we flip through the latest issue of Nightwing because it is great. Oh, it's so great. Riddle me this, MJ. (laughs) What? It's time to record another episode of Casual Wednesdays. Hello, MJ. Hello, Jared. Happy new comic book day. Happy new comic book day to you. How are you feeling this week? I'm all right. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? A little tired. It's another one of them Batman Fortnite weeks. Sure is. Sure (laughs) is. We're halfway done with that, right? Yes. Yes. DC's just cranking out the Bat content. Yeah, there's a ton of Bat books out this week in general. Yeah. There were a ton of Transformers books out this week. Holy shit. (laughs) There were. I don't know why. Did IDW release issues 29 and 30 the same week? Yes. I don't know if that was some kind of diamond shipping malfunction or what, but issues 29 and 30 of the Transformers comic book came out, plus Transformers Beast Wars number four. And then there was Transformers Escape. Escape. Three and four of either one of those. Well, they picked a really good week to dump all those Transformer books on us because they announced that new Transformers series that's going to be written by or co-written by Steve Orlando, Danny Lore, some other folks. Mm. I don't read Transformers, but good for them. Transformers Overload. That's right. Batman Overload is kind of the point of this (laughs) whole episode this week. We're going to be talking a lot of bat stuff. But before we do MJ, some light house cleaning before we get started Mm -hmm. this week. We are still looking for new listener questions. If you got a question for us, comics related and or otherwise, we're not shy. Hit us up, info at doomrocket.com, Casuets Podcast on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Also, if you haven't already and you're feeling a bit charitable this morning, why don't you go ahead and head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, or maybe a four-star review. I don't know. I mean, five would be preferable, but whatever you would like, dear listener, whatever you would like. Say something nice and or constructive. We appreciate it. It really helps out the podcast. Mm-hmm. I can't explain why. It just does. So if you want to support Casual Wednesdays, we're not asking for money yet. send us a review on apple podcasts and that's basically all i've got for house cleaning mj i thought i'd have more but i didn't write anything else down (laughs) you got anything else you'd like to add before we get into the news this week just that this is a really great week to be a dc fan like aside from all of that plethora of batman content we've got superman and lois coming back that's right came back this week Mm -hmm. and also wonder girls debuting this week that's right Wonder Girl. I have a feeling we'll be talking about that a little more into the episode. Yes. How did I guess that? Oh, Oh, I have the script right here. (laughs) So, MJ News. News. So much news to talk about this week. I think we need to start with the biggest news, arguably. The big new Batman event dropping in August. James Tynan's Batman. It's a train that will not stop. People keep getting on the train. It's selling more issues all the time. It just feels like this is an unstoppable juggernaut and with that said we have a brand new event series coming down the pike this was teased with the infinite frontier one shot issue number zero that came out something to do with the scarecrow something big was happening and now we know Mm -hmm. 
That's right, Cooper. <laughs> it's called Fear State. Drops in August. MJ, what are the details on this event? Well, apparently this is going to be launching off some new series, which is pretty exciting. And it's going to be setting up a new status quo for next year. All right, two things. One, more Batman titles is not exciting. <laughs> we get new Batman titles every month, it feels like. Yeah. Two, status quo in the DC universe, kind of an oxymoron. But... This is still going to be a capital I important thing it is true. for DC fans, for That's Bat right. fans. So, you know, yeah. It's going to be starting August 10th with the 40-page I Am Batman number zero. That's it's right. going to be written by John Ridley and art by Travel Foreman. They've been doing this, the next Batman Second Son series together. That's right. The digital first series from DC. Yes. That's right. Um, so this is assumedly a continuation slash start of a new series. It looks like it's spinning off directly from the next Batman, mm -hmm. or at least the next Batman as it appears in the digital series, not the Future State series. It's important not to get this confused. This is still definitely like laying the groundwork for Future State to happen in Which the future. Which I don't want anymore. I uh, saw it and I was like, no. And they were like, well, we're going to do that anyway. And I went, all right. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe don't you like it. Don't where I can't follow. Maybe, maybe you like it. The next Fear State issue is going to be August 17th, Catwoman number 34. That's right. Still by Rom V and Fernando Blanco. And a beautiful, beautiful variant cover by our fave Jenny Frizen. That's right. Next, it's going to move into Harley Quinn number six on August 24th. Still by Stephanie Phillips and Laura Braga. Then the last issue for August is going to be the 40-page Batman Fear State Alpha number one. Written by James Tyne in the fourth and Ricardo Federici on art. So I'm guessing that these issues we just talked about are build up to Fear State. And Fear State will begin kind of with the alpha issue and then presumably begin in earnest in September with the next issue of Batman. I mean, we don't know for sure. It, that's what it feels like, because why wouldn't a Batman issue kick off Fear State in the month of August? I mean, this might be one of those things where like marvel does as well you can have like an alpha issue and then it runs through other things and then you have like your omega issue or whatever it's like your one shot that ends right it. right but marvel and dc both love to do the road to this event yes kind of thing like the well, road yeah. to no man's land the road to onslaught and then we'll get epilogue issues jared that's how it works they're called omega issues mj <laughs> <laughs> So Fear State will clearly focus on Jonathan Crane, a.k.a. the Scarecrow. I know that James Tynan is stoked to tell this story. He likes telling a horror story every once in a while. Oh, every once in a while. Every once in a while I hear that he's kind of good at it. Yeah. You know, some, some modest acclaim. Now he gets to tell a full-fledged horror epic within the pages of Batman. Pretty exciting stuff. As an aside, you know, his The Nice House on the Lake yeah. has, like, the highest order numbers for a first issue for any of his creator-owned books. Isn't That's, that cool? He's just getting bigger and bigger. He's he, not going to want to be our friend anymore. <laughs> he better be. I'm going to read a little bit of the synopsis for that uh, Batman Alpha issue. Go for it. Quote, the event over a year in the making begins. Fear State settles upon Gotham City and no one is safe. Overwhelmed by the dual threat of the Scarecrow and Peacekeeper 01, Batman and his allies have been one step behind since the events of Infinite Frontier number zero. And with the arrival of a mysterious anti-Oracle and the return of Poison Ivy, Batman might have more than he can handle. End quote. Ah, he'll be fine. <laughs> These things usually work out in his favor, you know. He is the Batman. That's true. So, MJ, August, big month for Batman, going to be even bigger. How long do you suppose Fear State will last? All the way past Halloween, or will it stop dead at the end of October? Well, I think it'll end in October, and then we'll have maybe epilogue shit going on afterward. All right, fair enough. But since it's the spooky event, mm -hmm. it's definitely going to go through October at oh, least, yeah. you know? It would be folly to do otherwise. Yeah, but I think three months is probably as long as they want to have it going. 
if I were to guess. That's, I think that's a safe guess. Yeah. All right, MJ, let's pivot over to Marvel really quick. Some Marvel news. I wanted to touch on something that we talked about last week. Oh, yes. Last week, at the time of our recording, it was kind of still up in the air whether or not X Factor, as published by Marvel, was going to be canceled in lieu of the new X event, I suppose, called Trial of Magneto. Both books are written by Leia Williams, so it works out for her either way, I suppose. Doesn't work out so much for X Factor fans if it was, in fact, going to be canceled. But now we know. And it happened almost immediately after we finished recording last week's episode, because that's just how it works. Of course. That's just how it works. But Leah Williams was retweeting quite a bit of condolences for the cancellation of X-Factor. So X-Factor is gone for now. But it's a high-profile Marvel title. I don't know why it would stay dead forever. But I'm going to stop speculating right there, because I'm always wrong. I think there are just a lot of X-Books right now. And I think maybe Marvel realizes there is sort of a cap they want to keep to maybe the cap is 15 x titles no it's like the debt ceiling they just keep pushing it higher and higher and higher what could possibly go wrong i i can only assume that that's what marvel's thinking is that like well we're adding on this mini series mm-hmm. we'll we'll take another one off and since leah williams is you know moving over just to write a different book and not just a book but an important book yes i mean it's a retread of the trial of magneto we've done this before but not in the Krakoa era so it's new ish I just, I just wish they would stop reusing the names of events for things that are different. They're terrified to do anything else. They're just terrified. I don't get it. Maybe the all new, all different era taught them not to do anything new ever again. It just seems like this year, last year, and also Secret Wars, what am I talking about? It's been going on for a while. It just, hasn't not just, been happening. Just reusing the names of events. I just don't think that needs to happen. Here's what you do. What, what, what do I get do? Get a job as an intern. Establish trust. Yes, that's that's definitely what they're going to do. They're going to hire a 38-year-old intern. <laughs> Over the course of years, establish yourself as a prominent voice within the workings of Marvel. Get established as an editor. Then you can make the calls. Okay. That will happen when I am probably 74. Okay. I don't like that attitude. <laughs> and since Lee Williams has just moved over to that mini, it's just a... Uh, everything changes, but nothing is truly lost. That's right. Kind of thing to reference Sandman. And Leah Williams is a tremendous asset as a writer to Marvel. They're not going to get rid of her. This is not the end of the world. I got to go back and read X Factor. Everyone seems to be screaming about it. So MJ, a huge new announcement for Marvel concerning Black Panther, which was coming to an end in, I believe, July. The Ta-Nehisi Coates run is coming to an end. July or June? It's one of those. Yeah. The point is, is that his arc is ending and Marvel abhors a vacuum just hates it just cannot stand to not have a book being published yeah but they went about like nine months not publishing any black panther comics so they don't abhor that vacuum so much well i mean that's just missed deadlines that's completely different mj i know cooper missed deadlines combined with pandemic hiatus and all that stuff yeah so there will be a new black panther arc starting in august my God, I mean, like, yeah. we just did this with this character. Can we let it breathe? Can we let the arc breathe? It would just be nice to have the series end and be able to enjoy that ending and then get the announcement for the new thing and be able to appreciate the ending for what it is without yeah. already jumping to the new thing. You know, I keep thinking about that time when they killed off Superman and then for three months they didn't announce any new books. Superman number 77 happened, and it said the end on the cover, and it was Superman flying into the clouds, and it ended with Jonathan Kent maybe dying? And there are no solicits for like three months for the new Superman line, and then out of nowhere, bam, Adventures of Superman 500 dropped, and everyone lost their shit, Reign of the Superman, what's going on? We don't know. 
Showmanship, MJ. If only comic books could be like they were when you were 12 years old. If only. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's the wish for every comic book fan ever. Yeah, basically. I keep forgetting that these are being made for the people that were my age when I was first reading comics. I forget that sometimes. It's an important thing not to forget. Yeah. But getting back to Black Panther, what are the details of this new run? Well, we don't have a release date yet. We just know August. I saw a certain website speculating that it was going to be coming out late August, which I hope that's not true because I would very much like this to come out before Free Comic Book Day, which is going to be August 14th. Yeah. Because uh, when the Tanesi Coates and Brian Stelfreeze's first issue came out, it was right before Free Comic Book Day that year. And because of that, we sold that book like gangbusters at my store. It works. Yeah. Having a first issue that comes out right around when free comic book day is having it you know lots of stock of that available for all these people coming through your store to be like oh hey a new black panther comic ta-nehisi coates i know him but details on the comic yes <laughs> it's going to be starting in august written by john ridley who we just mentioned we just got done talking about currently writing the next batman's second son and also having written 12 years a slave do you want to write two of the biggest superheroes from marvel and dc all you got to do win an oscar yeah that's all you got to do. <laughs> Super simple. <laughs> then he's going to be joined by Juan Cabal on art, who is currently doing Guardians of the Galaxy. That's right. And supposedly this is going to be a, quote, hybrid espionage superhero thriller that's also a love story, end quote. Into it. Look, did you see that Black Panther cover? The Alex Ross one? Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. Isn't it? It's like some big crazy gatefold thing, right? It looks like a wraparound. Yeah. But I love the new trade dress. It's beautiful. Whoever did that, give them a raise because Marvel trade dress stinks on a good day. You actually like the logo, huh? Wow. That is that is bold. That is new. It's modern and throwbacky at once. I enjoy it. Jared is complimenting a Marvel logo. Stop the presses, Mm-mm-mm. everyone. That looks good. I know. Cooper's pumped. <laughs> that cat is going ape shit. Well, Black Panther, also a cat. True. Cooper likes the cats. True. It looks like Storm will feature prominently in this run as she features prominently in the cover. Well, she is T'Challa's ex-wife. That's true. Awkward. (laughs) They're still friends, okay? All right. So it looks like we'll have some actual solicits details for you in the solicits episode coming up later this month. In the meantime, stay tuned to Casual Wednesdays. All right, MJ, before we get into the top five, I want to talk about one more thing, if Mm -hmm. I may. All right. So generally, we don't like to talk about multimedia stuff. We just try not to give it too much emphasis. That's right. This is a comics podcast for crying in the mud. But... This is pretty big news. Mm-hmm. HBO Max, Cartoon Network, DC, teaming up, doing two new animated series. On top of the Aquaman animated series they already announced eons ago, we're getting a new Batman animated series and a new Superman animated series. So we are. Pretty big deal. Let's start with Batman really quick. Mm-hmm. Because this, I think this one's going to be the easier sell. This one teams Matt Reeves who's, I guess, going all in on Batman. He's doing a Batman TV show for HBO Max that'll deal with Jim Gordon and the GCPD. He's obviously making the Batman movies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now we have this new animated series called Batman Cape Crusader, and Matt Reeves is teaming up with Bruce Timm, J.J. Abrams. (sighs) See, I I saw this news. As soon as I saw J.J. Abrams' name, it was just like the smile just drooped down into a, a sad face. Yeah. The art that comes attached with this announcement, though, by Bruce Timm... Looks pretty cool. Looks pretty damn cool. I guess Bruce Timm is really into devil horns, and he's been slowly edging Batman towards them for, like, 20 years. 
Batman had regular ears in the animated series, and then we had Batman Beyond, and he had the horns all the way. But then we went back to Justice League with Bruce Wayne, and he had horns all of a sudden. And now this is just flat out year one Bob Kane, Bill Finger horns. Yeah, it's it's definitely a look. Yeah, it's a uh, look. It's a departure. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that miniseries that DC published, The Untold Legend of the Batman. Uh, Byrne did the first issue, and then Aparo did the last two issues. I think Len Wein wrote all of them. Okay. But in the first issue, Bruce Wayne details the adventures of the first Batman, quote-unquote, Thomas Wayne. And he's wearing the original Bill Finger Batman costume with the okay. horns and everything. That's what it looks like to me. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. Looks pretty cool to me. I'm keeping my expectations tamped down. Well, I mean, if J.J. Abrams isn't writing or directing this, then I'm a little more open to it. Because he's, he's a pretty okay idea guy. He just doesn't know how to end his story. Also, Bruce Tim hasn't really done episodic television in a long time. He was working with Warner Brothers Animation and making the movies. movies. Right? Yeah, yeah, he was working. And those movies stink, by the <laughs> way. So hopefully Bruce Tim is getting back into his mojo from the 90s for this animated series. Because if not, uh, no thank you. Matt Reeves being present with this project interests me. So we'll see. Batman, Cape Crusader, supposed to drop sometime. We'll get more information later. Just wanted to talk about that. And then we've got this other thing. This other animated thing that's coming out. This one, I'm much more excited about than the Batman one. Look, you don't watch The Boys. Correct. It's got Jack Quaid in it. Mm -hmm. Dennis Quaid's little boy. Mm -hmm. Thinks he's cute, but he's not. Mm -hmm. Not much of an actor. He's doing the voice of Superman. Okay. I don't care. I do. <laughs> And the animated look of it is not, it's underwhelming me. Well, we've only got one still of it yeah. so far. And be still my... Anyway, it's going to be called My Adventures with Superman. Yeah. It's going to focus on Clark and Lois and Jimmy having fun hijinks. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be cute. The thing that I'm excited about is actually one of the executive producers on this show, Jake Wyatt, who is a really awesome cartoonist. He does the webcomic Necropolis. Mm. Uh, which you can probably just Google Jake Wyatt Necropolis and find. It's really, really great. He's done a few comics here and there as far as interiors go. I think he did like a Ms. Marvel issue at some point. But he's great. And I really like his art. And he's worked in animation for a long time. And he's been working on the show apparently for a while. All right. And that makes me very hopeful for this show and thinking that it's uh, going to be pretty good. I'm going to keep my expectations tamped even lower for this one. Well, when you so keep, I'm not disappointed. When you keep your expectations low, that's that's yeah. That's also good advice in life. Yeah. No expectations <laughs> from anybody or anything ever, and that way you can only be surprised. Mm-hmm. Pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. So we'll see. My Adventures with Superman. So it takes place in like the first formative years of Clark Kent's life in Metropolis, and they're all young, and they're trying to figure things they're out. They're all in their 20s and having fun together. I think it sounds really cute. Hey, don't get me wrong. I'm all about new things for new people, and that's all exciting. I've got Superman and Lois. I'm hanging on to that. Yeah, you like do. Like grim yeah. death, because <laughs> modern-day Superman content leaves so much to be desired. So I guess something bright and bubbly is fine. It's better than Grimdark. I'll mm -hmm. say that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I wanted to get that out of the way, MJ. I had to get it off my chest. Well, I'm glad to get it off my chest, and I'm excited for it. An all-ages Superman cartoon, I'm stoked. But enough of my stodgy opinions. We want to know what you guys think about these new animated series. Info at DoomRocket.com, Cashwest Podcast on Twitter. Are you excited for my adventures with Superman and Batman Cape Crusader? I want to know. I want to know, too. Cooper wants to know, hey, look who finally decided to shut up. He calmed down. He curled up on the back of the couch. Well, he's just ready for the top five, MJ. He's, he's doing a snuggle. He is.
All right, MJ, this week I've got the three, you've got the two. I'm going to kick us off with a brand new debut, if I may. I want to hear it. All right, Fantastic Four, life story number one. We have reported on this book many times Mm -hmm. on Casual Wednesdays. It's finally here. What's the big deal, you may ask? Well, what's the big deal with Fantastic Four? I mean, come on. (laughs) We've got Mark Russell, easily one of the best writers working in the industry today. What do we know him from? Most recently, Superman vs. Imperious Lex. Ah, yes. Second coming from Ahoy. Prez. Prez. He's one of comics' great satirists. He's tamping down the funny to work on this book, Fantastic Four Life Story. Of course, Life Story, the premise is each issue is a decade in the life of a superhero and they age in real time. How will this work with the Fantastic Four? Well, I have read this first issue, and while it doesn't hit the notes I was expecting it to hit, it does go into surprising new areas with the characters. It takes deviations I did not see coming and actually sets up a titanic foe that is legitimately scary. Hmm. Legitimately scary, MJ. We've got art by Sean Isaacs, we got color by Nolan Woodard, and then we got letters by Joe Caramagna. Fantastic Four Life Story number one is out. If you want to read about the 60s and get a John F. Kennedy cameo, it's right here. MJ, what is first for you this week? My first pick for the week is a Dark Horse graphic novel, but it is a graphic novel that did not see print in single issue comic form. That's right. That's why I hesitated to say, don't put on airs, it's a trade paperback. Yes. It ain't because these issues never saw print. Yes. So this is Invisible Kingdom Volume 3. Now, the series was monthly in single-issue comic form for the last couple years, but starting with this volume, I don't know if they just didn't get enough solicits for issue 11 or they just decided this was going to be a better way to do it in a pandemic year. Um, We have Volume 3 coming out just in graphic novel form. It just feels like graphic novels are an approach more publishers are going to embrace the further we go. Yeah. It just feels like that. And this book probably has an audience that is better suited to this format anyway. It is written by G. Willow Wilson of Ms. Marvel fame, of air fame, of... Of being great fame. Yeah. We all know G. Willow Wilson's awesome. So is Christian Ward, the artist. This is the third and final volume of the series Invisible Kingdom. The question in front of us now will be, will people buy it? Are people still hungry for Invisible Kingdom? And if so, are they willing to drop this giant price tag because of the weight? We'll find out. And there has been like a year since the last trade came out. That kills a book. It can, but also a trade paperback audience is willing to wait a little longer. So it probably is going to be fine. This also, the series won a goddamn Eisner. So anyway, Invisible Kingdom Volume 3 from Dark Horse is one of my recommendations for this week. It is $19.99 plus tax at your local comic book shop. What's your next pick, Jones? My next pick is another debut, this time from Fantagraphics. Oh. I think this is the highest selling debut Fantagraphics has ever had. I saw that. I have a feeling it's because they put some incentive covers on this book. Yeah. They had like a 1 in 25 Peach Momoko cover, and then they had a 1 in 5 and a 1 in 10. So, of course, I'm talking about Red Room by Ed Piscor. Very excited about it. You know, for a guy that goes on and on about the practices of modern day comics, this guy sure does like his variant cover program. <laughs> I was not impressed to see how many variant covers came attached to this debut. It got Fantagraphics, their highest selling debut, whatever, whatever. I have a feeling this probably could have gotten there without it, but what the hell do I know? Maybe, maybe not. So here we are, Red Room, Murder on the Dark Web for fun and profit, MJ. See rivers of gore, see illegal acts of carnography and degradation live on webcam. Now, the best part about Red Room, I read it last night, is that it is far more than just splatter gore. It tells a really decent story. If you like EC Comics, 
If you like Tales from the Crypt, self-contained stories that tell a nice, well, a putrid story of monsters and mayhem, this is for you. It's also like 64 pages, right? Yeah, it's a completely one and done first issue, 64 pages of content. Piscor is firing on all cylinders. This is a gorgeous book, even with all the violence. <laughs> My and God. And even with that hefty price tag, it's like $6.99, right? Seven bucks. Totally worth it, though. 64 pages of gorgeous art. And of course, they don't make comics like this very often, at least not on this high a pedestal. That is for sure. Really? Put another one out to me right now. Well, I, I will. I will. In just a second. I'm talking about in terms <laughs> of violence and, and hideous audacity, because I guarantee the next book you're talking about ain't it. Um, it's not not like that. No, no it's not. No. Nope. So Red Room number one's got my full endorsement. Check it out. It's a whole lot of fun. Don't buy the variants. Variants suck. MJ, what is next <laughs> for you? Buy a variant if you like variant. I like know? art and I like people getting paid. Variant programs stink. They stink on ice. Anyway, my last pick for the week is Wonder Girl number one from DC Comics. Written and drawn by Joelle Jones with colors by Jordi Belair. How are you comparing Wonder Girl to Red Room? I was just com- <laughs> I was just comparing a good comic to a good comic. Oh, we're not hurting for good comics, especially not this week. This week was a stacked week. It was hard to pick the five. For me, at least. Yeah, yeah. No, there, there's another comic that I really wanted to put that we'll talk about in a minute. But also, letterer on Wonder Girl number one, Clinton Cowles. This is an awesome comic book. You've already read about Yara Floor in the Future State Wonder Woman book and a little tiny couple pages in the Infinite Crisis number zero one shot. Yeah. This is actually telling her story. Actually, now that I think about it, there is a little bit of splatter gore in this issue. Oh, yeah, I guess there is. <laughs> anyway... I really enjoy how this is written. I really, really enjoy how this is drawn. Like Joelle Jones's art. She I just, can't miss. I love it. There are, there are three pages in here that are kind of like, like it's an illuminated manuscript. Yeah. It's, oh, it's so good. This whole, this whole comic is this great. Is, as far as art's concerned, this is a hardcore debut. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. how beautiful this thing turned out to be. The question is, how often is Joelle actually going to illustrate this book? Because we know how Joelle Jones works at this point. She puts out gorgeous issues, but they do take a while. One one can assume and hope that she's been working at these for a while, so they've got a bunch of issues in the can. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Because yeah. I she want... didn't draw that many issues of Catwoman. No, but it was it was well written. Yeah, and she and she drew a Lady Killer. True, which got optioned. But yeah, that's Joelle. her book. But anyway, you should definitely 100% pick up Wonder Girl this week. Like no questions asked. <laughs> issue number one, three ninety nine from DC. That's my last pick of the week. What's your last pick of the week, Jared? My last pick happens to be the issue we'll be talking about in the back matter. So I'm not going to get too deep into it. But of course, it's Nightwing number 80. Of course what it is. What other book could it be? Tom Taylor writes, Bruno Redondo does the art. Adriano Lucas is on colors. Wes Abbott is on letters. Nightwing number 80 is out. Read Nightwing. That's all I got for that. This closes out our top five most anticipated issues of the week. Before we get too deep into Nightwing, we've got a question to answer first, MJ. We so, do. With that, every week we field a question from one of you, our terrific listeners. Hit us up, info at doomrocket.com, Cashweds Podcast on Twitter. This week we were greeted once again by Alistair Matheson Lynn. Hello. Hi. 
Alistair says, Hi Jones, hi MJ, got a question for you guys. Over the last few months, you've been talking up your Marvel Epic Collection game. So much so that I've now jumped on the Epic Collection train. Oh no, sorry Ellie. <laughs> Not complaining though, so much content and a pretty reasonable price point. So my question is, what are the best Epic Collections you've read so far? And what are some of your recommendations for people making the jump? Thanks Legends, Allie. Well, thank you for the question very much. We appreciate it. I could talk about Epic Collections for a while. I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, I can too. So, MJ, we recently really got into this really hardcore. I'd say you got into it more than me. Well, I had to put the brakes on buying more because we went from having no Epic Collections to having almost half a shelf's worth. It's easy to get addicted to these. The addiction is real. But we are talking recommendations and we are talking about our favorite Epic Collections, at least so far. I want to start with the first Epic Collection I ever bought for myself, mm -hmm. you know, to have fun. I've always appreciated Peter David's run on The Incredible Hulk. I always loved Gary Frank's art on The Incredible Hulk. I got The Incredible Hulk, Ghost of the Past. It's volume 19 because, as we've said before on this podcast, Epic Collections are just released at random. They're not in order. Volume 19 is out, and you should check it out. Collects years 1992 to 1993. Incredible Hulk 397 to 406 with the annuals 18 and 19, plus a whole bunch of supplemental material that builds into the story that Peter David was trying to tell. That kind of good stuff. Epic collections come with all this great back matter. Covers, interviews sometimes, depending on the uh, creator involved. And it's not even just covers of like the issues involved. Sometimes it's like related magazines. Wizard magazine covers get reprinted in Epic funny? collections. It, it's really funny. So that was my first one. MJ, what about you? My first one that I ever got was the New Mutants Demon Bear Saga Epic Collection, which is volume two in the New Mutants Epic Collections from 84 to 85. So I was between one and two years old when these actually came out. It's always fun. But this obviously collects Demon Bear Saga and all of the New Mutants issues like before and after that in between issues 13 and 31 and an annual annual number one on here and it's really fun if you want to read more about you know iliana and kitty and they're being quote-unquote roommates oh is that a thing yeah. oh wow i didn't know that yeah see epic collections are teachable tools <laughs> as well Allie. so of course now we're gonna move into recommendations i can only recommend what i have and what i flipped through and read hot tip only buy Epic Collections from comic book stores because you're going to get rooked online. People jack up the prices like crazy. Like Craven's Last Hunt Epic Collection for Amazing Spider-Man, I saw it going for like $119. It's we, ridiculous. Which is weird because we found it at a comic book shop for normal, regular price. I have it right here and it's, you know, we bought it for, well, it's, they're mostly 40 and 45 yeah. bucks. They're expensive. But all the comics you're getting in here and the reproduction value is... I mean, DC does okay, but this is some top-tier shit. And speaking of Craven's Last Hunt, there's so much good in this collection. Yeah. It's got the wedding of Peter and MJ, and it's got the whole Craven's Last Hunt story arc in it. Like, it's, it's huge, and it's so packed with good stuff. You want to talk about good stuff? I'm going to bring you over to X-Men, The Fate of the Phoenix Epic Collection, Volume 7, which encapsulated 1980 and 1981 for Uncanny X-Men, which X-Men fans know, big year. <laughs> It collected X-Men number 129 to 141, Uncanny X-Men 142 to 143, plus the annual Phoenix the Untold Story and material from yada yada yada. You know what this has. Dark Phoenix Saga, Days of Future Past, Byrne and Claremont operating at the height of their powers in full vivid color. This is the X-Men collection to get. That just came out a couple months ago, and like the day it came out, Diamond was already out of it. And I wanted it so bad. I had to seek it. Yeah. 
I was so frustrated. I was like, I want it. Can I buy it from the store? And you said, you can't buy it from the store. Well, it had already sold, I think, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. It broke my heart. Shattered me, MJ. It's a really good collection. Also, I'm going to recommend the Iron Man collection, Stark Wars. You want to talk about some goofy-ass Iron Man shit. Volume 13 covers the years 1987 to 1988. This collected Iron Man 215 to 232 plus the ninth annual. David Michelinie and Bob Layton doing some crazy roadie Tony Stark space shit. It's great. Yeah. Tony Stark has a bitchin' 80s mustache and a beautiful perm. Like You can see how greasy and oily it is. You just want to put your hands in it and then wash your hands. Anyway, I'm so pumped to get this one. I haven't read this one yet, but it's just got the good stuff. Some other ones that I really dig. There is this Defenders Epic Collection called The Six-Fingered Hand. It's the sixth volume in the Defenders Epic Collections. It's just got a bunch of my favorite characters in it. I never realized how ginger heavy the Defenders were until I started reading this volume. <laughs> I can't think of another superhero team that has that high of a percentage of redheads. Well, you got to make your own team. I guess, yeah. You represent the redheads, actually. <laughs> we got time for one more recommendation each. I'm going to recommend Amazing Spider-Man Venom, mm-hmm. Volume 18, covers the years 1987 to 1988, reprints Amazing Spider-Man 295 to 310, plus the 22nd annual Web of Spider-Man number 33, and Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 133. This is Peter Parker dealing with his pesky alien costume. Oh, no. What am I going to do with this alien costume? It's making my life hell. What am I going to do? Eddie Brock, leave me alone. What's the deal with this black costume? This is the formative years of Todd McFarlane coming into his own oh and then dictating terms with Marvel. Oh this is the Todd McFarlane takeover of Marvel happening in real time right here. And of course, it is the genesis point for one character known as Venom. Not my favorite Spider-Man villain. In fact, I would have recommended Craven's Last Hunt, but you took my copy. It's <laughs> over there, so I didn't have the deets. But yeah, Venom. Awesome stuff. What about you, MJ? My last one is Marvel 2-in-1 Volume 1 Cry Monster. This collects Marvel Feature 11 and 12, Marvel 2-in-1 1 through 19, and Marvel Team Up number 47. It's got Gerber, Mantlo, Busema, and Wilson. It's good stuff. Yeah. The thing about this one that I want to mention. The thing about this one? Yes, yes. Okay is that it is the reprint version of this. Because like I said, they've been going back to new printings on these. And the reprint versions are skinnier. Yeah, the original version of Marvel 2-in-1 Epic Collection is a lot thicker. But is it just the paper stock? I think it's the paper stock. Okay. Because like we saw at uh, Chicago Comics a couple weeks ago, they had the new printing and the old printing next to each other. And there was like maybe a centimeter difference between the thicknesses of these. And the pages were already yellowing. Yeah. So the thicker trades have like a pulpier kind of paper stock, which honestly I like because I I don't want it to be as shiny as this other stuff is. But the newer printings have thinner paper, which is better for your shelves. You can fit more books on your shelf. But I like the paper stock for the older printings better. That's right. Well, Alistair, I hope we answered your question. We tend to ramble. Good luck with your epic collection hunt. Send us pics. We want to see what you got. And you too, listeners at home, if you have a collection of your Epic Collections and you want to brag about it, send us pics. We want to see them. Epic Collection Collection. That's right. And of course, as always, if you have questions for Casual Wednesdays, send us a line. Info at DoomRocket.com. Casual's Podcast on Twitter. And thanks. All right, MJ. We are now in constant back matter. And this time, something different. We haven't done a modern issue flip through in a while. Yeah. Pretty excited to do this. We are going to come back and do that X-Men plot line. How did that end up kind of feature from Wizard Wizard, last week a little further into the month? We had to talk about this issue. It's the third chapter in an arc, which usually, I mean, (laughs) you know, it's midstream stuff. You don't need to talk about it. But this issue was so good. In fact, the best issue of the Tom Taylor run yet. 
And yet each issue has been amazing. How? How does it keep getting better? Like, it, it's great, and yeah. then it just keeps getting better. Yeah. And better. Yeah. This issue. Jesus Christ. I mean, the cover alone. The covers for this series have been phenomenal. I know there's a lot of Nightwing that happened between Grayson and now, but it don't feel like it. Spiritually, this is the closest cousin Grayson has. In terms of tempo and mood and optimism, and Dick Grayson being Dick Grayson. Yeah, Taylor gets this character so well, and Redondo draws him so wonderfully. Like, it's, isn't it ridiculous? Yeah, it's it's hard to like toe the line of drawing a character as attractive and not sexualizing them. Yeah, and he does it. It's like when Mikhail Hanin was doing Grayson. Yeah, I mean, you just have this crush. I mean, everybody already has a crush on Everyone Dick Grayson. Everyone has a crush on Dick Grayson. But this will cement it. This will make it your number one crush forever. And it, it's, and it's not even just the way that Bruno Redondo draws him because he draws. Him, like I said, just the most attractive person ever. Yeah. Tom Taylor writes him as just this sweet, nice, kind-hearted, good person. And ah! what's crazy about this is that this story actually positions Nightwing to enter a brand new era of his own life. Alfred's dead. Bruce Wayne's penniless, which is weird. Mm-hmm. But Alfred left all his monies for Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson's now a billionaire. What is he going to do with all this cash? And meanwhile... I know what he's going to do with that cash. He's going to raise a puppy. Yeah, he's got a puppy. He's going to raise a puppy. Not happy about the puppy's name, but we talked about that <laughs> in an earlier episode. But the puppy's still cute, and that's all that matters. Yeah. That's all that matters in this world. Um, And sorry to interject once more, there's a really great big splash page in Wonder Girl number one that shows all of these different DCU oh, heroes and villains. Yes. And the little shot that it has of Nightwing shows him holding the puppy. He's holding his puppy. That's DC synergy. Oh, God. It was oh great. My I saw that and I just squealed. I feel like we're entering into a new golden age of DC sometimes when I read books like this. I hope so. It's hard not to get swept up in the hyperbole. Yeah, like we, we bitch about DC and their you know, retailer practice and all that stuff, but some of these comics are really fucking dynamite. Let's talk about the layouts in this issue. <sighs> For some reason, Bruno Mordondo felt it necessary to chart out every square foot of Dick Grayson's new loft apartment. I appreciate it. I don't know why he did it. I have a feeling that there's going to be a big fight in here, like in Daredevil. Could be. <laughs> you know? Could be. You know how Matt Murdock on the show could never keep his shit straight? Yeah. People are always fucking him up. Yeah. I have a feeling this is going to happen and happen hard for Dick Grayson. He's got a new villain. They're called Heartless. We don't really see much of Heartless here. As a matter of fact, there's more positioning in the background for the villain in this issue because there's a lot of character stuff that needs to happen. Tom Taylor's establishing the new paradigm for Dick and Barbara Gordon. Dick Grayson slept on the couch last night, MJ. They mm-hmm. did not share a bed. Mm-hmm. But Babs did stay over. Dick Grayson gets interviewed by some cops because he's under investigation for a series of murders, which are connected to the Heartless killer. And they ask what their uh, situation is. And the look, the look Bruno Redondo gives their faces. Like Dick and Babs are looking at each other, but Dick's got his arms folded and he's going. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's just great because Babs just like, that's not relevant. And oh then. The cop's like, I'll tell you what's relevant. And she's like, um, I have a law degree. Yeah. And the Dick's like, yes, so do I. Yeah, I was a cop too. <laughs> they actually bring up the fact that Dick Grayson was a cop, mm-hmm. which means the Dixon run is still relevant, yeah. it seems. And I appreciate that they didn't lionize him being a cop in here, because that happens all too often in a lot of media. Yeah. One big thing that happens in this issue, though, and arguably the biggest thing, this is the reason why I have to talk about it, I need to say this out loud, we get a team up in yeah. this issue. Yeah. Team up. Dick Grayson and uh, his brother, Tim. Yes. And he specifically says it's his brother. Too. Yeah. They're not really brothers. They're adopted brothers. Was Dick Grayson adopted by Bruce Wayne? I think in, in the current continuity he was, isn't he? I think so. Was he? I think so. Well, I know that Tim Drake got adopted by Bruce Wayne. I was against that. I was against that idea. It's Jack Drake erasure. 
<laughs> it really is. I mean, Jack Drake was Tim's father, and he got murdered brutally in yeah, Identity we, Crisis. Yeah, we can all go and read Identity Crisis. Yeah, but Jack Drake was still Tim's dad. Yeah. Bruce Wayne's his dad now, I guess, but it just, it seems, it was a little fanficy for me. Okay. Oh, they're family. No. But they are. Point is, Dick and Tim team up. How does Tom Taylor get these characters so well? I don't know. I was reading this and I was getting flashbacks, like stone cold flashbacks of the 90s, like of them teaming up and bantering and like talking shit about Bruce and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But talking about layouts, there is a fight scene, one page during this little team up that just blew my mind. It's silent, but it's so well choreographed. I don't know if it was Tom Taylor just being like, hey, this fight scene, Bruno Redondo, run with it. Or if he actually like really detailed this whole thing out, however they did it, however they managed it. It's so great. Also team up with uh, Tim and Haley, the dog. Yes. Yes, that happens as well. Yes. In all, MJ, Nightwing number 80 is representative of how good we can have it when you apply the proper creators to the proper character. And creators who have been working together for years and years know each other's quirks inside out. They know how to work with each other. They know how to get exactly the book that they want. Yeah. And they give it to us. And it's exactly the book that we want. When they said, hey, team on Suicide Squad's doing Nightwing, I said, yep. Works for me. And not only that, though, but I get serious, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man vibes yes. from this book. And that's not a bad thing either. There's also a little bit of, like, Hawkeye vibes to it as well. Without a doubt. Yeah. I hope it doesn't veer too Hawkeye-y. Because Dick and Clint are not the same character. Oh, no, no. It, it hasn't. There's just a, a slight hint of it. The dog got my spidey sense tingling it's a little bit. It's the dog thing. And it's also Dick having so much money and owning and a building. And then living in a crummy building yeah. with people. Yeah. That's where the similarities end. But it's enough of a similarity for me to enjoy it. Babs and Dick, Tim and Dick, totally fine. The question is, when does Bruce show up? When does Bruce show up? Is Bruce going to hit him up for some cash? <laughs> it's his right. It's his right to do. I mean, Dick's got a whole building now. He can just give Bruce a room if he needs yeah, it. It's true. Poor bastard. Literally. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's all the time we have for this week's Casual Wednesdays. Need more of this doobie little podcast in your life? Check out our episode archive via any good podcatcher or check us out over at doomrocket.com. Rate, follow, subscribe, whatever you want to do, or tell us how we're doing with a review on Apple Podcasts. New episodes every single week and while you're at it. Look us up on Twitter at Casual Podcast. I'm at Jared Jones underscore MJ. Where can they find you? At Molly Jane underscore K. Thank you, MJ. Welcome. So until the day Haley takes a pee on back cows, hey, I remain Jared. That's MJ over there. And from all of us here at DoomRocket.com, have a great new comic book day. That's another team up, MJ. And it rhymed. And it stinks. (laughs) 